You know, the crew, Chris Miles here with Ted Jeffries, Monica McNutt, and Andre Jones. Patrick Ewing is home. Of course, he had the scare with COVID-19. Monica, I mean, P. Ewing, such a great guy. It's great news to have another former Hoya uh, doing well. Indeed. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody refer to him as P. Ewing, but um, to me, he's big pack, and I love that. I'm not going to lie. When I got, when the alert came across my phone, I fully expected it to be tested positive but his home safe self-quarantine and the way that we had heard other NBA guys tested positive but weren't in peril. So to see that he was isolated in the hospital was a little bit unnerving. Thank you, God, that he's home safely recovering. I know his son, Little Pat, as I call him, um, posted to his story that they really are appreciative of all the well wishes and prayers and that Big Pat is doing much better. Yeah, P. Ewing, that's a New York Knicks fan thing. I, I realized that as I, I, I made my rounds around the country. They're like, who is that? I'm like, Patrick Ewing, what are you talking about? So, Dre, there's, a, there's another DMV legend, uh, Bob Whitmore, unfortunately passed away. Tell the people exactly who he is um, and, and what he accomplished in his life and career. Yeah, Bob Whitmore was one of the true basketball legends of the DMV. Uh, played at DeMatha. Uh, he was on a team that defeated Powell Memorial High School with your guy, Lou Alcindor. And, um, the, year, the year after they lost, right? They the lost. They lost. You got to come back, Chris. You got to work through these things. It's called adversity. <laughs> but he was the originator of the pipeline that went from D.C. to South Bend. And um, we're talking about the great Austin Carr, Collis Jones from St. John's, uh, Sid Catlett from DeMatha, Tracy, Tracy Jackson from Payne Branch. Bob Whitmore was the first big name player from this area that went to Notre Dame. And rest in peace. I mean, what he meant to DeMatha and Notre Dame is beyond words. So uh, we're at a loss here, but you know, we're better for knowing him and uh, we can always honor his memory. TJ, you're a DeMatha guy too. Uh, you have some words about Bob? You know, just echoing everything that Dre said, you know, just to, uh, tip of the cap to the legends, the pioneers uh, that played in probably the, the most monumental game uh, for the start of DeMatha basketball, when you talk about that game against, uh, let me say the win, against uh, Power Memorial. <laughs> I see what you guys are doing there. Well, for the win, we got Mike Bray coming up, stepping to the mic on our podcast. Mike Bray, another DeMatha guy, Notre Dame ties. It's going to be great chopping it up with him. Step into the mic today. Chris Miles, Ted Jeffries here with you. You might know Mike Bray as head coach of the Notre Dame men's basketball team for the past 20 years, but here on the Step in the Mic podcast, he's known as a DeMatha grad. That's how we greet you, Mike. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, man, great to be with you guys and, and a lot of familiar faces there. You know, I was texting Ted before we got on the air uh, that uh, – God rest his soul, Coach Wooten, who we lost in January. I was always in his ear that Ted should start in front of Gerard Mustop, but he was the head coach, and I could never get that done. And so, you know, I just want to be on record that I was trying to get TJ in there. Well, Mike, that's not, Mike I appreciate your uh, standing up for me, buddy. <laughs> well, since you mentioned Coach Wooten, uh, congratulations to you recently being named – uh, one of college coaches, top 25 coaches in the last 20 years, or the best hires uh, by Notre Dame. But you got your first experience playing varsity basketball at the Matha and also playing for legendary Coach Wooten. Rest in peace, as you just mentioned. Uh, take us back to that experience, your first time uh, thinking of becoming a coach and, and some of the advice that he gave you and how important was that 
for coaching under a guy like Coach Wooten to where you are today? You know, it, it's so interesting when I tell the story. My relationship started with him when I was 10 years old. My mother took me to the Metropolitan Area Basketball School. We remember that now, down there at St. John's High School. Joe Gallagher and Morgan Wooten ran it. So I was a camper growing up hearing Coach Wooten lecture on a daily basis. The DeMatha players, as Ted remembers, were the counselors. My God, at 11 and 12, I looked up to those guys. Billy Mecca, Pete Strickland, who we all know so well, to the point where I just, you know, even though I was a public school guy in Montgomery County and my parents were public school teachers. And I said, God, I really would love to try and play in that culture. It was so moving to me. And I, I was, you know, my parents made the sacrifice and I went over there and was able to play. And of course I didn't play much because we had two guards by the name of Dutch Morley and Sidney Lowe, who were a hell of a lot better than me, as TJ knows so well. Um, but then I went back and I, after my, after getting out of GW, I went back and taught and coached there for five years. And what a setting. And, and I remember Coach Wooten telling me, because I was thinking about becoming a grad assistant at GW after I finished. He said, if you're going to get into coaching, Mike, two things about coming back with us. And I used to coach the summer league team when I was home in the summer. And, and what a great experience. He said, you need to have your own team. And I'm going to give you the JV. You're going to have the JV and you're going to work with me. And he was so right, you know, at age 22, I had to draw up the practice plans for the junior varsity. And that was Mike Geelan and Pat Moylan and Vic Roy and that, that group of guys. And, and, uh, and so uh, I was with him for five years. And then I was really fortunate in that Mike Krzyzewski wanted a young guy on his staff, somebody that would be with him a while. And I went down there, and, of course, I feel very blessed that I had a Morgan Wooten and a Mike Krzyzewski, you know, as mentors when I was a young guy. Now I'm an old guy. I'm one of the older guys now. And, and uh, um, But the, the experience and the decision I made to go to DeMatha High School from Rockville, Maryland, completely changed my course, you know, as, as far as coaching career and, and having great friends. So... Uh, I'm forever indebted to the Morgan Wooten experience. And certainly we had a lot of memories of him, you know, this past winter uh, as he, he finally passed and, and was, had a great run. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a lot of memories going back and forth uh, of him. And I think we're all blessed. We've all were really blessed to, you know, have him as a teacher. And, you know, we all had him as a teacher in some way, shape, or form. And I know he had an unbelievable effect on me and how he communicated with young people and, and that type of thing. So I was, I feel really lucky that uh, I was part of that Morgan Wooten army. Mike, let's, let's stay right there for a second. I mean, you did a phenomenal job with our team uh, my junior year, 28 and six. Uh, we were unable to beat Dunbar here locally. Uh, for the city title, but then you were off to uh, to Duke. Talk about that story. On you know, you said Coach K wanted a, a young guy. Now, if I remember, there's a story that Morgan sat down with you and Pete Strickland, who was one of my mentors in the coaching game, and we share that friendship. And you know, I have a great appreciation for Pete as as well as you do. But talk about that story where Morgan said, "Hey, you know, this is I, I want you to go here, and I want uh, you know Pete to go there." Can you, can, you, can you run us through that story and how you ended up at Duke? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, what was so interesting, and, and Morgan was prophetic, and we're not, you know, when he said, you need to have your own team. He said, the other thing is, Mike, if you really want to get into college coaching, with all the players we have here at DeMatha, every college coach in America is coming through our gym. You're going to meet all of them. And really what Pete and I ended up doing a lot, if you remember, Ted, Coach was kind of tired of handling recruiting at that part in his, in his career. He did not want to call the assistant back from Towson State. No disrespect to Towson State. He just didn't want to do that anymore. But Pete and I did that. And we developed this relationship and rapport, and we set up home visits for you and the rest of the guys. And so you developed the network. And obviously, Ferry had been heavily recruited by everybody, Danny Ferry, all those years. And you struck up a, a relationship with Dean Smith, uh, uh, Lefty Giselle up at Maryland, Terry Holland, your coach down at Virginia, yes, uh, and, and all of them. And I remember when Mike came in, Morgan said, you know, he, he didn't want a guy who was just going to come for a couple years to be a head coach. And I certainly needed training. I mean, my God, I, I was coming from high school and I was with him for eight years. So the timing was just right. Obviously, Pete then left and went to Raleigh, North Carolina, to Ravenscroft High School. Right. So we ended up leaving, and we were 30 minutes from each other in Raleigh and Durham and still remain, uh, you know, really, really close friends uh, to this day. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you go from DeMatha to Duke, and, and I again, again, it's the DeMatha High School uh, training and then being able to connect by way of their network that's put me in a position for everything that's happened in my life. I certainly remember your recruiting. I'll never forget it. It was a great story. I'm sitting in the office as a young guy, and Terry Holland comes in, and Coach is working it hard. And you didn't play as much because we're teasing about Mustaf. You know, he was a pretty good player. Right. And, and, and you know, he was a pretty good player. And, and so, you know, coaches, Coach Wooten was in prime sale. Why, Terry, you got to take Ted Jeffries. He's going to be good for you and all that and everything. And, 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 and I'll never forget, you know, Terry saying, well, you know, how come he doesn't play more? And, and all those questions. And Coach, Ted, you would have loved it, you know, and you, I'm sure he told you the story. He handled that so eloquently. And at the end of the day, by way of Fork Union, I believe, right, yeah. you end up in Charlottesville, and you were, you were a great college player. You had a – I used to watch you play, and I was just – I remember how far you came from ninth grade and there you are starting at Virginia and part of really successful teams. And I'm like, man, that's just a great story. And I think back to how Coach helped Terry Holland understand you need to get this guy. And Terry Holland to this day, I'm sure Ted would say, I sure am glad Morgan twisted my arm on Ted Jeffries. <laughs> Mike, I appreciate that story. And, yeah, I, I do remember Terry Holland being in the gym quite a bit, oh, yeah. you know, during my last year. And I was just so in awe when he walked in the office and we were doing the in-office visit. And I could, you know, I always love and thank Coach uh, Wooten for, you know, being the salesman and being the guy. And because of who he was as an individual, the standard, it was easy for coaches around the country, not just Terry Holland, to believe exactly what he was saying. Uh, and I was glad that I was able to step up. Those same types of, um, you know, praise coming from Morgan continued into my first and second year. I remember reading an article where, you know, people talked about me starting as a freshman and Morgan said, Ted Jeffries could have started on many teams around the country. So the, the continual 
selling selling of me as a ball player definitely uh, was greatly appreciated from Morgan, and he was one of the best at doing it. That's for certain. You know, Ted, what he what he was great at, and I've tried to really capture this, you know, as as a leader and a teacher is, and you know it, and both of us know it. He was great at giving confidence, helping a young person really believe. And you and I both need, needed that. I needed that as a player with him. I needed that when I was an assistant. You needed that as a young player. And I, and, and I really, maybe if there's one thing I've taken from him when you're working with young people is, can you be a confidence giver? And, and you and I are great products uh, of Morgan giving confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Coach, when you talk about what Morgan has given you, let's stay right there for a second. Now, you've been a coach at the highest level now for, you know, you're one of the high, longest tenured, you know, in the in the country, I would say, um, at 20 years at Notre Dame, but you had also an extent at, um, at Delaware. What are some of the things that you have taken from your tutelage from Morgan and try to impart on your players, whether at, you know, when you coach as an assistant at Duke, Delaware, or obviously at Notre Dame? Well, we talked about the confidence thing, but I think, Ted, what, what I was always so impressed with watching it from being a player for him to being an assistant, both sides of it, is his ability to connect with young people, really all people. You know, Morgan Wooten had this amazing ability of being able to connect quickly, quickly in a relationship and, and kind of getting you to believe in him. And, uh, and so, you know, that probably may be a main factor. And, and, you know, the one thing about coaching college basketball, you know, I have 13 guys in my class. And if I can't get to know them like they're my own son or daughter uh, on a daily basis and how they're walking in and their body language and their facial expressions, I don't think I'm doing my job. And, and so that probably was, you know, a big, big thing. I marveled at his ability to connect and communicate with, with all ages and in all situations. We used to leave, Pete Strickland and I, he would speak to the team. He would speak at a coach's clinic. He would speak to a group. And you'd always walk away and go, my God, he had his finger right on the pulse. That was perfect. You know, sometimes people speak and you go, man, I don't know if, does he really get who he's, the crowd here? The man always knew his crowd, his audience. He always knew his audience. And he just always had his finger on the pulse. And, you know, I try and imitate that on a daily basis with whatever group they throw me in front of. You know, Coach, you, you speak of how Morgan Wooten had just his hands on the pulse of the situation. Um, you get to Duke in, what, 1987, I believe, right? And then right. we think of that legendary team from what? I don't know, you want to say 89 and 93, whatever window you want to say it. You get a lot of credit for recruiting those guys, Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill. Uh, take us through that. I mean, did you did you get the sense when you were recruiting those guys and they were coming on the campus that the team was going to be special, going to be legendary? Did you feel as if there was a point that you wouldn't get all of them? Uh, take us through that process and what that was like with uh, Coach K and how it all came together. Well, I mean, you know, there was when I had gotten there – they had just gone to the Final Four in 86, Tommy Amaker and Johnny Dawkins, two local products for the backcourt, and they lost to Louisville in 86. So they had really a, a lot of momentum. And um, Ferry was a young player. Quinn Snyder was a young player in those early – Billy King, they were er young players 
in that early Final Four run. And then came the Hurley-Leitner-Hill. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, you know, when I look over your shoulder there and I see Davis 20 feet, I can't help to think of Brian Davis. You know, Brian Davis from Bladensburg High School, who we signed late and played for Bob Patterson, Ted, at Bladensburg High School. We got on him late, and he was a big part. I mean, they talk about Hurley, Leitner, and Hill. Brian Davis and Thomas Hill, who were kind of the third recruits in a class, those guys drove the train a lot of nights, you know, during those things. But, you know, there was it was an amazingly gifted group. I mean, Grant Hill has to be the ta- most talented guy I've been around on a daily basis. Uh, Leitner had this that unique psyche to drive it. You know, I'll, I'll make the I'll make the comparison. We're all watching the Michael Jordan special and how he drove guys right. and even pissed them off and made them feel uncomfortable. That was Leitner. The only other personality I've been around when I hear about Jordan was Leitner's, and I mean that in a positive way. Like there were days you had to put out fires with him, but on game night, that's the dude you wanted. And then Hurley was a fearless little guy too, you know, but. Again, Brian Davis and Thomas Hill, I'd be remiss if I didn't speak about those two guys. And, and, uh, and, and then back then, think about it. You know, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill, couldn't they have been one and dones? We, they never even thought of it back then, Ted. Right. No one ever came in the office and said, you know, well, I don't want to put my name in and I will see what my stock – they would have – they stayed four years. There was never – they just went to the weight room when the season was over and probably went to Myrtle Beach and drank some beer. And that was it. <laughs> we never dealt with, well, I got to test, I got to do this. And so, so the, I, you could, I guess you could keep it rolling year to year, um, you know, that way. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience. I had my, my right, you know, best friends with Tommy Amaker. We were assistants together. He's up at Harvard doing a fabulous job. And, and you know, we're real still, still real close. And, um, but learned a lot dealing through that. And, you know, certainly in 95, I felt I was ready to be the head coach at Delaware. And I thought it was a great fit. It was back in the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, of course, it's, it's, it's not surprising, Ted, that my best team at Delaware had a guy by the name of Mike Pagese and Daryl Presley, my two yeah. Demanda guys. We won two America East championships together. My best team at Notre Dame had a guy by the name of Jaron Grant, another Demantha guy. So I only get it done you know, when I have the math of guys with me and, uh, you know, I have a Gonzaga guy now in Prentice hub, right. Which, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited about, but, um, yeah, it keeps coming back through Hyattsville. It just keeps coming back through Hyattsville. That's true. That's true. And, and it's funny because you just took my next question, which is the common thread out of the DMV for you oh. has been recruiting players from this area. Talk about, I mean, even before you got to Notre Dame, Notre Dame had a, you know, a pipeline into into the D.C. area. I remember reading about the Turkey Thicket group that they had from back in the day. But talk about how rich of a recruiting area this is for college coaches, not just for you, but all over the country. No, I, I just, uh, you know, again, I, I got to be careful when I'm in New Jersey or Philadelphia recruiting because sometimes I may slip and say, look, the Washington, D.C. area is the best basketball, high school basketball area. <laughs> so I, I sometimes have to zip it so I don't insult anybody because I'm trying to recruit their player. But, you know, what, what all of us here grew up watching through different eras was staggering, you know, to see it. And, you know, you know, the high school coaching is at a high level. Uh, the competition is at a high level. 
you can go anywhere and find a great pickup game. Um, I call it, back there, I call it I-95 Edge. Guys coming off I-95, specifically the DMV, they have a little edge about them, you sure. know, that because of who they've played against and where they've played. And uh, they're not in awe of a bright lights uh, moment, you know. So it, it's, uh, it's an amazing area. We still go back. You know, you mentioned the D.C. Pipeline. There was a gentleman by the name of Franny Collins who was the guy, the bird dog, back when he was, he's the Georgetown alum. But he was Johnny D, the former Notre Dame coach before Digger Phelps's army buddy. And he was the bird dog for all the D.C. guys, starting with Sid Catlett, Bob Whitmore, Adrian Dantley, Austin Carr. There's a great story about Austin Carr. Dean Smith comes from North Carolina to D.C. looking to meet with Austin Carr. And Franny Collins has Austin Carr in his basement. Now, again, there's no cell phones back then. There's no Internet. Locked him up. Nobody could find him. He's going to Notre Dame. See, that's how we did business back right. in the day. You, that all, that's all a violation now, man. We can't do any of that, you know. And and uh, but there's some great stories, you know. And you go through Duck Williams. Uh, you know, there there's been a long, long line of D Chris Stevens, Hawk Stevens from St. John's teaches in our business school. There was a long line, and so when I got out here, I, I was hoping we could go back into that area and get some guys, and we've been able to do that, you know, and, and it's really helped us be successful. Well, you, you say, oh, that was a violation back then. I mean, <laughs> since, since the tournament was canceled, we've had some uh, new news in regards to what's allowed and what's not allowed as far as uh, players actually receiving compensation. So as a head coach, how is that changing your landscape going forward when you're recruiting kids now and how to abide by the new rules? Can you break that down for us and try to understand? Because that has to be extremely complicated for you. Yeah, I, you know, I think you have to make a decision how you want to run your program. Um, you know, one of the things that's come to light this last week with the Louisville and the Kansas situation is the shoe company influence the AAU world, or as it's called by the NCAA, the non-scholastic world. You remember Condoleezza Rice's committee went into um, trying to rehab the image of college basketball after the FBI investigation, and it started off with shoe companies are the enemy and kill the AAU. And coming out of that, that was not the final verdict as it was really evaluated because there's still April AAU weekends. There's still a July weekend. Now, of course, they're all thrown out of the, the window given the COVID situation. But, you know, most of it is really good. There's been a couple bad actors, but it's really been good for young people. So that is part of the equation, recruiting kids off of their non-scholastic team. We, we've tried to do more to help high school coaches and throw stuff back to them. You know, Ted and I are products of guys coming through DeMatha High School and recruiting. They didn't really recruit us off of our AAU teams and, uh, and, and or our, our, our summer teams. Um, but it's part of the equation. And, and I think it, it runs twofold now. And, and, uh, and I think it can be managed the right way. You know, I really do with Under Armour, Nike and Adidas. They all have events for us. It helps us. It saves us money. For me to go to one Nike event in one town, Indianapolis, and see 50 prospects that may be on our list, that helps me. 
and and it hel- it certainly helps me if I'm at the University of Delaware and my budget's not as big as the University of Notre Dame. And I've been there too, you know. So um, it's the world we're in. It's it's kind of the climate we're in. Uh, you know, I do think, as you saw this week with the NCAA, there's going to be a big hammer dropping, and it probably has to be dropped hard on violators to try and line this thing back up a little bit and have some sanity back. Coach, when, there's been so much. You just you just hit on it, the, the, this hammer dropping. You know, and you think about Louisville and LSU and some of these old Arizona, some of these programs, these head coaches, you know, this is a very competitive landscape. I remember, you know, obviously at Coastal Carolina, we were on a different page than you guys were in, in the, you know, the top five conferences. But is it that hard to stay above the fray, the, uh, you know, in the coaching game in this competitive landscape? I don't think it is, Ted. I mean, I, I really think you can do your business the right way. Um, and I really believe, I firmly believe, the vast majority of coaches do business the right way. You know, we've had a couple situations that have gotten off the tracks, and certainly that is the headlines and the clickbait on a daily basis, especially now because we don't have anything else to read. We don't have any other sports. Right. You know, I mean, there's nothing else. That's the dramatic stuff on a daily basis. So um, I, I really, after being part of our coach association and being in this 30 years, we have, and you, and you, we have a lot of great guys, teachers, people that help young people get older and more confident and become men doing business. And we've just had a few get off the rails and hopefully the NSA will help us get us, get everybody back on the rails a little bit. Well, one of the things you said just now is, is making sure you help others. And for you, it started in your first coaching job in Delaware with Coaches for Cancer. I mean, you've been involved with that program, what, I guess, organization, what, 25 years now? But last year, you raised over 250000 I mean, just why is that organization so important to you? And why are you so hands-on with Coaches versus Cancer? Well, I got involved with it back in, at the University of Delaware 25 years ago because my dad uh, had a malignant melanoma, and he beat it. He, you know, uh, he, we've since lost him a couple years ago, but he had a great run. He was 85 when he passed away, and it wasn't because of cancer. And, and so that was kind of the thing that generated it. I think when you have a position where your profile's high, whether it's at the University of Delaware or University of Notre Dame, you know, you have a platform to do some other things. And, and you know, I think we've tried to do that. Coaches versus cancer, even though right now it's cancer, obviously, is still uh, something that's, that's, that's devastating. But it's hard to talk about it in the midst of COVID right now, you know. I mean, that's taken front page, center stage. Um, but, but it's the chosen charity of the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, it is, uh, I'd say, of the 350 Division I schools, there's probably 200, 225 coaches, can, you know, participating. And it's a way of, you know, I think connecting with your community and, and helping. And we do an annual event. I'm hoping we can do it in early August if things open up here more in Indiana uh, because it has been a good thing. And, and, it, and again, I think it, 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 gives you, it gives you another presence in your community other than the basketball coach, you know, and, and you have time and you have energy and you have resources to do it. Um, and I think a lot of guys have done it. So, so uh, yeah, I've been part of it for a long time. Again, I hope 
our events can take place this August because it'd be awesome. All right, Coach, the show is called Step to the Mic. So now's the time to put, put the screws to you a little bit. I'm ready. All right, all right. So in order of competitive nature, one, two, and three, who had the more competitive nature? Shane Bray, <laughs> Mike Bray, or Mother Betty Bray, the Olympic swimmer from 1956? <laughs> Ted, it ain't even close. My late mom, Betty Mullen Bray, had an edge about her um, that was unbelievable. As you mentioned, she was an Olympian, a world record holder, kind of a woman ahead of her times. And, uh, you know, uh, even till the day she died, she still wanted to compete. And so it's not even close. Of course, my younger brother, Shane, I dominate him still on a daily basis, Ted. I'm 10 years older, and I'm in way better shape. There you go. All right. So we're going to give you one, one extra face to put on the DeMatha Mount Rushmore. And I'm not talking about coaches, just talking about players right now. Players, yeah, yeah. Give me the DeMatha Mount Rushmore five. Five. Well, Adrian. Ted Jeffries, yes, I got it. All right, we got that one down. <laughs> Six man. Six man coming off the bench. Got to be, you know, Adrian Dantley locks it up. Ferry, there's two. Um, boy, uh, you know, the low Wittenberg thing, which one or both, you know? I mean, those guys were, God, they were so good. Um, you know, so maybe I'd put both of them on. And I'll probably, you know, get a lot of texts from guys I didn't include when this airs. Uh, God, who would be our, who would be my fifth? You know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to Sid Catlett, who is a name from the past. And by the way, he has fought off cancer and everything else. We put him in our Ring of Honor at Notre Dame. He was he was one of. Morgan Wooten's first real special ones too, but not a lot of us remember him. I've learned about it by way of the Notre Dame old guard. Now, now there's another 25 guys that are going to really be pissed, right, Ted? I mean, well, you're going to get a lot of phone calls, Mike. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be I mean, Adrian Branch. There's one that just flashes to my mind, and I mean his know. older his older brother, Tommy yeah. Branch. Yeah, Tommy and Adrian, and both of those guys, and it, it's just you know. Um, Oh, God, there's, there's, and, and, and if Morgan was here, you know, and we used to do this to him at Lido's, <laughs> and we'd go with our five, Pete and I, and then yeah. he'd go, let me tell you who you left off. And we'd go, oh, <laughs> you're right. And so he, he's from above going, Mike, you've just left off 25 guys that are unbelievable. But Ted, we, well, all of us, we were all blessed to be around him, weren't we? Wow. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, this is one I'm going to put you in the, firing range of Morgan as he comes down and he's looking on high. The better Wooten basketball player, Brendan or Joe? <laughs> you know what? To get to bust Joe's uh, backside a little bit, I'm going with Brendan. I'm going to go with <laughs> Brendan, and I know Joe will call me and really be on my back. You know what? I will never be able to recruit a kid from O'Connell now that i said that. <laughs> I'm done. I just sabotaged myself at O'Connell, but I'm going with B. Wooten. <laughs> there you go. Because we're going to wind it down with this. Sure. You and I are no strangers to a good meal. I probably have an advantage over this, over you on that one. Better place to eat, Lido's or Temper Grill? Oh, well, 
I don't think anybody <laughs> in South Bend is going to watch this, maybe. But I'm a Lido's guy. Temper will never lock me out around the corner here from my house. But no, seriously, the, the numbers of Lido's pizzas that you and I have consumed through the years, Dan Ewens, as you know all so well, still comes out and works our camp. And every summer when he comes out, he brings me a pre-cooked bacon on oh, ice. And, and, and so, uh, and, and, you know, anytime we play in that area, we're actually going to play Howard next year. We're going to go back and play at Howard. And maybe the reason, the main reason to play at Howard is to get Lido's on the bus on the way back to the plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Mike. That's awesome. Chris, what do you got for me? You know, it's crazy to hear you guys talk about the greatest Amatha players of all time because you could kind of do it since, I don't know, 2005, and you'd have, like, the number one pick in the draft, the number two pick in the, in the NBA draft. And they don't even – they're not even mentioned in the conversation because there are so many players from the past that you have to name first just out of uh, what they accomplished and out of respect. So I think it's just amazing to, to think of the history – of it. And I was telling Ted this story before. You might appreciate this, Coach Bray. One of my first jobs was in um, covering Virginia Tech. And I go to talk to the running backs coach who was there before Frank Beamer, <laughs> Billy Height. And Billy Height. You know, he, he's got all of these you know, pictures of all his football players up. And then there's this picture of this guy going up for a dunk in high school. I'm like, hey, Coach Height, is that you? He's like, oh, yeah, I was a hooper, man. I mean, <laughs> you never know when a DeMatha guy is going to pop up. Uh, really? so, that was crazy. Billy and Ray Height were, were two of Coach Wooten's favorites. I mean, absolute favorites. And my memory of Billy Height when, when I was at DeMatha and Ted and I were there together teaching was he would walk the hallways of DeMatha because he always signed two guys from our football team at DeMatha every year at Virginia Tech. He would walk the hallways and just bump guys in the hallways with a 7-Eleven coffee cup. That's my memory of him. He'd go up and down, and he recruit. I think he only recruited one high school, and it really paid off because there's a number of guys, as we know, that yeah. went through Blacksburg by way of high, from Hyattsville, and were great players and had great experiences. And I think Billy is now retired, but uh, Billy and Ray were two of Morgan Wooten's favorite. They were like sons to him. They were really special guys to him. So you guys call it Hyattsville. When I was down in Roanoke, we called it Heightsville. Uh, that, was, that was kind of the joke. <laughs> when you talk about some of Coach's favorites, Mike, we'll probably end with this one. I got to get a Pete Strickland story. So Pete Strickland, we know him to be one of the most comical individuals we've ever run into. Um, so he told me about a story while you were at GW. And <laughs> you were in practice. And apparently someone showed up in the gym and had been walking around GW's campus Asking where is Abe Lincoln's university? One of the great stories, and, and Ted, you know, Pete and I are family, and, and, and you're, you're family. He's like a brother to me. He was a mentor to me. He was yes. a senior when I was a 10th grader. Really look up to him still to this day. So I'll never forget this. I, it's a Saturday morning practice at GW. I'm a senior. I'm walking to the Smith Center. Charles E. Smith Center, 22nd and G Streets. And I'm looking up ahead and there's a commotion. There's a bunch of students gathered around a gentleman and I'm looking up and I'm going, the gentleman is dressed like Abe Lincoln. Who the hell is this? And I get to the outskirts of the crowd that he's gathered and we know he can gather a crowd. And he's into this lecture about 
how come there's not a university named after me? I understand the George Washington thing. Where is Abraham Lincoln University? And these students, and I look and I go, oh, shoot, it's Pete. <laughs> and I walk into practice. I must probably turn the ball over 10 times. I, I could not get out of practice quick enough. We went and got a sandwich in D.C., and it's one of his all-time top 10 moves, and there are many great moves, as we know, Ted. Absolutely. He's the guy I had the privilege of. I mean, let's take it back. He was my English teacher. Yes. My first two uh, first two years at the Massa, you know, I got he coached me at JV. He uh, he was varsity coach for our junior year, and then I got had the privilege of working for him at Coastal Carolina University. So that bond, you know, he tells stories about me growing up and at 15, 16 years old, telling Morgan Wooten I have to go to the pediatrician. <laughs> to, right. to see about oh my, my knee. God. I forgot Ted, about that one. Ted, you're 16. What are you doing? <laughs> it was um, – no, we had it – God, we had it good. And, and, you know, again, anytime I come to D.C., I connect with him. And he's got – you know, he's speaking a lot now. And, yeah. um, you know, he, he's got a great message. There's no question about it. But, man, running the camp, we had, we had a lot of fun together. There's no question. And the three years we taught and coached together at DeMatha – may have been the most fun I ever had. I mean, we, it was just never a dull moment. Um, and then we were lucky to have, you know, young people like you. Now, now I, I want you to – I'm having a flashback a little bit of your game. And, uh -oh. and, and, I, and, and what I remember about you now, I mean, you always had great hands and foot. You were like a big ballet dancer when you were young. You had great <laughs> hands and feet. But the thing that I loved about you at Virginia, and you had a heck of a career, is – I would love to show tape to our big guys how quick you get the ball inbounds on made field goals. You were a master, and I'm sure that was coached, at when the ball went through the net, you got it. Would it have been John Crotty back then? Did you get yeah, into his? started with John Crotty, then Corey Alexander. Yeah. Right. You got it. You got the ball in so fast, and, and I always used to comment about that when I watched you play, and, and God knows you did all those other things. But that's a little thing that was really important when you're trying to play fast. I can still see you taking that thing out one foot out of bounds, firing it to Crotty or Corey and letting them go, and you trailing the play. And they probably never passed it back to you to let you shoot, but that's a whole other story. I had to hurry up and get down there and set a screen for them like I hadn't done enough. You know? <laughs> They'd get the rebound if they missed. So, yeah, I had, uh, I had a lot to do. But, like, I appreciate that. But that all started with Morgan Wooten. It started, and, you know, started in our JV year. You know, obviously, Morgan's always looking down at the, uh, the younger guys. Um, but on that varsity team, and I remember him saying, I can remember it like it was yesterday, he said, you know, if I threw it too long, one of my best, you know, receivers, I will say, when I threw the long pass was James Long, the limit. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. that guy? And yeah. James would be out sprinting on and and I would rip it out of the rim, throw the long pass. And sometimes I overthrew it. And, more, and Morgan would tell me, he said, Ted, I'll never get upset with you making an aggressive mistake. That type of that type of pass when we're trying to get an advantage, even if it was long, he said I could live with that. So, you know, I appreciate it and that gave me all the confidence in the world to say, look, I'm gonna keep throwing it. If you're out there, you know, it'll be there for you. Teddy used to say, never throw a long pass short. There you go. And there it was bingo, I believe. Didn't we call it bingo? Yeah, Our that was it. Bingo. 
Ours and Longwood right? Long have that hand up on the wing. It said bingo, screaming it all the way down the line. You know, I'll court. leave you with this. You make a comment about how Morgan would come out of his office and watch the JV and freshman at times because he wanted to see what was coming up. John Gwynn, uh, who had a great career at Connecticut, and is a ref now, a very good college official, by the way. Very good. Um, so I have the JV, and he's a ninth grader. And I knew if Coach Wooten ever saw him practice, he'd steal him and take him on varsity. So anytime Coach Wooten would come out to just glance at 10 minutes of JV practice, I'd take him out. I'd sub <laughs> him out. And I was able to keep him on JV. And, you know, Coach would get to the JV games near the end, mm-hmm. you know, for the varsity. He'd come rolling in, and about halfway through the season, he said, you didn't tell me John Gwynn was that good, Mike. I said, well, you know, Coach, we got our team. I don't think you need them playing time. He said, that's a pretty good move, Mike. Pretty good move. (laughs) (laughs) You should have told him I learned from the best, Coach. (laughs) That is a definite Morgan Luton move, Ted. There's no question about it. Um, Guys, stay safe, man. That's awesome, Mike. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being on board. This is huge for us. Continued success the rest of the year. Please say hello to your family and my man, Rob Alanis, my teammate and good friend. Stay in touch. You guys be safe and uh, tell everybody in D.C. I said hello. Take care. Will do. Be good.